Hey there. I've been asking you to chime in, send us stories, send us questions, and you've been coming through. A couple weeks ago, we had the story of Anna Davis Abel's fight to get her insurance company to pay for a test she got because she and her doc thought she might have COVID-19. And in public, the company was saying, we will pay for this kind of stuff 100%. But they told Anna, nah, this 500 bucks and change, it's on you. At least that's what they said until reporters got involved. I asked folks who'd had a similar experience to get in touch. What I got was a note from a woman who said she's worked for a big insurance company for decades. Her note said, I just finished listening to this episode, and I have to say that I am shocked. I understand Anna's frustration with what happens. Believe me, I would be screaming from the rooftops if it were me. She also said, I have listened to all the episodes in this podcast. And there are times I come away feeling bad working for the insurance company. And she had some advice for all of us based on things she's learned from working for the insurance company. So I called her up. In her note, she said I could use her full name as long as it was clear she didn't speak for the company. But when I asked her what she did there, she hesitated a little bit. And then she was like, I investigate healthcare fraud. Oh, wow. So you want to pick my brain is what you want to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. We were on the phone for an hour. I'm not going to use her full name. Just going to call her Kim. Get ready for some highlights. This is an Arm and a Leg podcast about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. And I should say, my talk with Kim wasn't full of blockbuster revelations like, you'll never believe the scams. I mean... There were some insights, stuff I think will be really useful. But it was also just really interesting and useful in its own way to hear from someone deep inside the machine, someone who wants to be an ally. First, we talked about how it felt to her hearing our story about Anna Davis Abel and her fight over that bill for testing. If it was me, I'd be screaming to high heaven. I mean, Kim has a little, call it empathy for the company. Basically, she says at the company where she works, They got caught flat-footed by the pandemic like everybody else. It's different when you see earthquakes or hurricanes or natural disasters. You see that, so you have practices in place because we've already gone through this. Mm -hmm. Whereas now you have the whole world shut down for this virus. And we're trying to put things in place as well as taking care of our employees who may be affected as well. In other words... They didn't really have a playbook. They're playing catch-up. And everybody's figuring out how to do their jobs from home. It's a mess. Balls are going to get dropped. Of course, when they get dropped on you, it hurts like hell. It can be a huge deal, like a change-your-life kind of deal. And it's infuriating, and it's totally wrong. Hearing Anna's story on our show brought that home for Kim. The $500 was a hard hit for her. And knowing that there's other people out there, my next door neighbor is losing her house because of her medical bills and she's had to file bankruptcy and they foreclosed on her home. It's so close. And to see it and knowing that, you know, the insurance is part of it. It just eats at my soul. So I asked him, what about that advice she had? In her email, she said, watch those bills, go over them. A lot of the time, they're wrong. And we've heard this advice before. Here it is again. It is advice she gives people in her own life. Family members and stuff, and then they'll come to me, and they're like, okay, you understand insurance. What's this? And I'm looking at it going, well, did you have this procedure done? And I'm like, I don't remember. I've seen some where people are like, well, I 
can't understand why I'm paying $25 for a Tylenol, and I don't remember having a Tylenol. She's like, get an itemized bill. And if there's anything on it that seems questionable, like, did it even happen? Call up the provider and ask, just like we've heard before. And Kim admits there is no guarantee they'll play ball with you, which sucks. But I've heard your testimony. I can tell you, it is 100% worth trying. Sometimes they'll offer to take weird charges off right away. And other times, if they don't, and you're ready to do battle, that itemized bill gives you ammo. Like last year in an episode called Can They Freaking Do That? We walked through the steps of fighting a legal battle using small claims court. You don't have to be a lawyer. You don't need to hire one. And a lot of times, just the threat of using small claims court, if you do it right, is enough to get a better deal. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. But not everything is a candidate for that. Like some bills are too big for small claims court. And I asked Kim, what if it's your insurance company that's leaving you on the hook for something that seems totally wrong? And this is where things got real and where I learned stuff about what we're up against and how to take your best shot at protecting yourself. And that's right after this. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. Kaiser Health News is an independent newsroom reporting on healthcare in America. It is not affiliated with the giant healthcare provider Kaiser Permanente. There's a little more detail on Kaiser Health News at the end of the show. So I asked him, what about when your insurance company seems to be leaving you on the hook for stuff that just seems wrong? Yeah, and that's where you hope... I hate to say this, I really do. This is where you hope that the person on the other end of the line when you call in the insurance company is diligently listening to you. And she says, you're hoping for some empathy there. And here's one of the hard parts, one of the parts that makes her say, I hate to say this. A lot of the time, the person you're talking with isn't even in the United States. It's cheaper to hire a call center in another part of the world. And that creates a problem, a barrier to understanding that I hadn't even really thought about. When people call customer service and talk with someone who's in another country. They're getting people who don't understand. They don't understand health insurance because maybe one, they have universal health care, or two, they don't have health care at all, but they have to pay out of their pocket and stuff like that. So they can grasp, but they can't grasp the, the novelty of health insurance. They don't have personal experience. They only kind of know what they get from their training. Correct. And the kind of directives from the company. So they so that that right. ability to to have empathize with it. Yeah. To have empathy they're limited just because they lack some of the experiential basis for that empathy. Yes. Kim says she has advice for this situation. Basically to start with get them to take it slow, one step at a time. Just tell them, you know, tell them I'm, I'm sorry I'm not understanding. Break it down for me. And then, of course, there is a next step. Then, you know, unfortunately, escalate it up. Escalate it up. Say, you know, I think I'd better talk to your supervisor. Kim says at her company, when you're transferred to that supervisor, the call can get routed to someone in the U.S., someone who's maybe had the experience of calling their insurance company, of getting a weird medical bill themselves. Of course, even when you get someone in the U.S., you may not be reaching a sympathetic ear. Yeah, I mean, it's like with any human nature, you may be having a bad day, and unfortunately, it's reflected on the call. That is, the person you're talking to could be having a bad day. And then, however their day is going, there's the reality of their job. You know, it, it is a high-volume 
they have stats that they have to meet, like with any call center as far as the inbound calls are being taken. Meaning it's their actual job to get you off the phone fast so they can take the next call and keep up with those stats. And a lot of times, you know, you feel like you're being rushed off the phone and that happens to me as well. Like when you're the person who's got the medical bill. Right. Wow. I mean, it is not the most encouraging thing I've ever heard. The person with the most understanding of the situation, who works for the insurance company, has for decades says she gets the bumps rush sometimes. But it's reality. I texted Kim later and I asked, well, what do you do when that happens? She wrote back, I take a deep breath and take control of the conversation. I understand their need to move on to the next call, but if my questions are not being answered, I tend to rephrase them so I can get the information I need. I'll say, so let me make sure I understand what you're telling me, dot, dot, dot. We all know none of this is guaranteed to work. Even if we can get the other person to slow down, to be reasonable, a lot of the time the rules are not written in our favor. But do it anyway, because Kim knows the rules. She has been working on the insurance side for decades, and even she needs to take deep breaths and slow the conversation down. Note to self, I should probably bring someone on this show who can teach us all how to meditate in the moment. I asked Kim how she started listening to the show. My therapist is the one who told me about your podcast. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> she was like, this is, this is something that will make you feel better. <laughs> yes, exactly. Have you brought it back to your therapist and said, like, why did you have me listen to this? <laughs> or have you discussed it? Yeah. Well, no, I haven't discussed it because, you know, um, couldn't go see him during the virus. Oh, and um, Right. Yeah. So I've got a scheduled meeting with him soon. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go, okay, dude, why? Just, you know, you're adding to my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm. I mean, I'm so glad you're listening. I'm so glad you got in touch. I really appreciate it. This is great information and real insight. Oh no problem. I, you know, I hear last season where they're fighting spills and stuff like that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, but why, why, why is it such a battle? Hmm. Whereas my father showed me how much it cost for me to be born. Hmm. You know, he two hundred fifty dollars, and that's everything. A hospital bill, my delivery, my doctor, everything, just to deliver me back in 1962. Yeah. But that's not the case these days. To deliver a child, even if it's just a you know uh, in and out, you're looking at fifteen thousand to twenty thousand dollars just a facility bill. Yeah. And it's like, why? Why is it that much? Why? You're one of us. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, I think basically I, we're all one of us. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and I'm not the only one in the insurance company that feels that way. Yeah. My friend and I always talk. She goes, look at this. I'm like, oh, what, what am I looking at? Oh, my gosh, what is this? Yeah. Inside the insurance company, people like Kim and her friend are looking at medical bills and saying, what am I even looking at here? I mean, just like the rest of us. And these are folks who look at medical bills every single day for a living. I read a piece of advice somewhere, and now I'm kicking myself because I can't remember where. And it said, when you're talking with someone from your insurance company or the billing office at the hospital, you are recruiting them to be an advocate for you. And it's a big ask. You're basically asking them to go to their employer and say, let's give this person some money or let's give them back some money. So you've got to be as sweet 
and as charming and as logical to that person as you know how to be, you got to ask them person to person to help you out. And you have to help them make the case. I think it might help to think of that person as someone like Kim, someone who has seen the bill from their own birth or their mom or dad's birth, a bill with a lot fewer zeros on it than you see today, and wonders why it has to be this way. Someone who listens to this show every single episode and writes in to say, if that was me, I'd be screaming too. I've heard from more of you this week. One of my favorite stories comes from Dave in Seattle with the subject line, your show saved me $300. He writes, in February, I had an ambulance ride and ER visit for anaphylactic shock after triggering my nut allergy with vegan mashed potatoes. The bills weren't as bad as they could have been, but he wound up on the hook for more than $1,400. So he followed some advice he heard on this show and took a hard look at the bill. The itemized bill checked out in the sense that he wasn't being double billed for anything. But then he took another step. He knew that last year, the feds required every hospital to post an official price list online. So he went to this hospital's website and he looked it up. And these official prices were lower than the ones on his bill. And so he writes, when I brought this up, they said they forgot to update the website with the 2020 prices and knocked back my bill to the 2019 prices, (laughs) which saved him $282. I mean, heck yeah, victory. Yes, we're going to take these where we can get them. And I want as many as I can get, so send that stuff in. I got other notes from you, too. And at least one of them reminded me that when we did an episode called Can They Freaking Do That? We intended it as the first installment in an occasional series. And it made me think, we ought to bring that back. And along the same lines, before the pandemic became basically everything, all the time, we had a really great season planned out for this summer. In our last season, we focused on self-defense against the awful cost of healthcare. We profiled a woman I called a medical bill ninja. And then once the season was done, I was like, maybe we should build a dojo. And that was going to be the focus of our next season. We had episodes planned out where we'd be meeting some amazing teachers for this dojo we want to build. And in the last week or two, I've been getting in touch with those people, scheduling interviews, because I think we need them now more than ever. And they're saying yes. One of them texted back, I'm down like a clown with a frown. So I think this is going to be pretty fun. I'm hoping to introduce you to one of these folks next week. Meanwhile, keep sending in your stories at armandalegshow.com slash contact. And if you want to make a financial contribution to keep this show going, I will so appreciate it. That is armandalegshow.com slash support. In any case, thank you for listening. I'll catch you here next time. Till then, take care of yourself. This episode was produced by me, Dan Weissman, edited by Ann Hepperman. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer, and Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America that's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare provider. They share an ancestor, this guy Henry J. Kaiser. He had his hands in a lot of different stuff. Concrete, aluminum, shipbuilding, the first big hotel resort in Hawaii. When he died more than 50 years ago, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. 
Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast, and Tanya English is senior editor for broadcast innovation at Kaiser Health News. They are editorial liaisons to this show. Finally, thank you to some of our new backers on Patreon. Pledge two bucks a month or more, you get a shout out right here. Thanks this week to folks who joined us for the first time and some who increased their pledge. Thank you so much to Lise Brodzik, Chris Moore, MD, Carrie Howell, Catherine Gastler, Nadia Ailson, Rich Magnuson, Birch Kinsey, Ellen Solway, and Alyssa Cowan. Thank you so much.